What's up, everyone? Episode 29 of the Stats of Podcast is here. Week 9 of the NFL season. It's in the books. Steelers are still the only undefeated team remaining. Week 10 gets crackalacking this Thursday night, and things are really beginning to get interesting now in this NFL season. In our cups this week, it's a stout from Westbrook, Maine. Look, we talk about these beers on the podcast. Go on a hunt. Go find these beers and go on a podcast scavenger hunt and find the podcast. It's on Stitcher, Apple, Google, and Spotify. Search us out. Like, subscribe, and share on all the socials and all the podcast media sites. We really appreciate it. You know, you can find us at Stats Podcasts on Twitter and at Stats No Matter on Instagram. And as Jay Balvin would say, Tim, let go. Let go. And as we're wont to do now, we, we got to start the episode off with what's in our cup. And uh, Tim, look, I, I know that you live in the Northeast and it's been stout season for about six months now, but here in Virginia, okay, where it's still 70 degrees, I'm really hesitant. I don't want to get into stout weather, but hey, you know, it actually dropped to like 40 a couple of days this past week. So I, now I'm wearing pants more than one day a week. It's stout weather. So let's go ahead and get into this stout. Uh, for the record, sir. It is always stout season. You just have to uh, refine your palate, you ignorant slut. Uh, <laughs> shout out again to Vacation Land Distributors. They're the oh, sponsor yeah. all month with all these beers that they've been giving us. Uh, I have to tell you, I cracked into two of the ones. Uh, I was going to try and hold out, but it's kind of a big week this week. So may have dabbled a little bit, but Barreled Souls has been putting out some incredible incredible beers uh if you can find anything in their bottled series especially in their wax cap series like a uh, state pop that beer was phenomenal it tasted like a s'more it was amazing and then they had a wheat wine uh that they had aged in a bourbon barrel uh, as well that i had uh thursday night wednesday or thursday night that has become my favorite of their beers that they, they put out some great ipas but Again, shout out Vacation Land, our sponsor for this podcast and the last few that we've had. Um, without you guys, we would not have these beers in our hands. So cheers to you guys as well. Yes, indeed. Let's crack into this sucker. For those who do not know, Gunner's Daughter is a uh, milk stout with peanut butter. And it is phenomenal. Just from from the from the get go, when you when you crack the can, just like you're you're overwhelmed with like a chocolatey peanut butter sense. It's almost as if like someone took one of those breakfast cereals, like Reese's, like you know pe- peanut butter puffs, and you just you just crush them all up because that's the that's the initial sweet smell that you get. I mean, like the can is like almost a foot from my face, and I can smell it. That's how yeah. powerful it is. One of the things about this one is that it can be found for distro, uh, or can be found in a lot of the local package stores because it is out for distro and it is incredibly consistent every single time you get it. It's smooth. Uh, the chocolate peanut butter hits you on the nose as soon as you open it up, like Sam said. But every time I've had this beer, spoiler alert, I've had this beer before. I started on my rating. It's going to be. But every time I've had this beer before, the taste has been identical. Every oh, yeah. single time. Every time. Yep. Yeah. I'm a big stout guy. Uh, this is a go-to if I'm if I'm ever in a pinch or if I'm out and I am unsure what else to go to. If I see this, I will grab it. Uh, they do, I think, an imperial version of this, and they also do a barrel-aged version of this that tends to sell out pretty quickly. And I think both of those 
uh, our brewery only releases up in Maine. Uh, but Gunner's Daughter, if you are a stout fan, a chocolate, peanut butter, any sort of sort of pastry stout style fan, uh, definitely snag this when you get it, if you see it. 100%. And I think the thing I like it the most about it, you, you said it, it tastes the same every single time, but I, I really love you got the chocolate peanut butter and the aromas up front, and then you got the little bitter cacao with, with the coffee and the dark chocolate on the back, and it's just – I mean, is this this is like a, this is like you get up on Saturday morning, watch the Premier League, and you say you, yeah. this is your coffee. You just put it in a glass. You're like, all right, I made some, you know, some some frap coffee or some whipped coffee or something. You try and get away with it because like it just pours so good and it's it's very very tasty. Only five and a half percent. I have had one of these uh, before lunchtime. I will not admit how early it was, but yeah, in that very same kind of setting so i could definitely vouch for that and those who are a little concerned because of the peanut butter it's not overwhelming peanut butter it's a nice little sort of subtle accent it's more chocolate coffee forward than it is peanut butter peanut butter just gives it that sort of like jiffy peanut buttery sort of sweet peanut butter on the tail end tastes more like cookie peanut butter than it does oh yes teddy's chunky but teddy's what is teddy's Oh my God! If you've never had Teddy's peanut butter, what, you got to find it. But, but, but choosy moms choose Jeff. Who the hell chooses Ted? Uh, healthy moms choose Ted. Uh, <laughs> 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 I see what you did there. We're gonna we're just gonna punt this one down like the 49ers. We're not even gonna we're not even gonna go there. All peanut yeah, yeah. butter form, for, forms are kind. That's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I, mean, nice. I, I love peanut butter. I eat it by the spoonful if I'm a quick snack walking by the fridge. Whether sure it's Jim Teddy's, doesn't matter what Smuckers. With the oil on top, you gotta like uh, start it in or no, no, flip no, it upside no, no. down. No. Leap. Oh, dude, that's that's how you know it's legit. It's like yogurt. No, Smuckers makes the jam, and, and don't be hearing in any of this listening and being like, "All right, I'm gonna pick up that habit. I'm gonna go." Nah. Well, I mean, hold on. Weird, weird thing. Do you put your peanut butter in the fridge? Uh, depends on the. My wife does it more than I do. I'm not an See? advocate for Fantastic. it, but my wife I, does it. There are people that are like, "You're a serial killer. Why do you put your peanut butter in the fridge?" I'm like, I don't really think that's the case, man. I just wanna, I wanna put it in there. I don't want it to sit in the shelf and have the oil and have to stir it every single time. Nah, I, but I'm the opposite. I like, I like, I like butter in butter dishes out on the counter in like the cooler weathers because I hate hard butter. And the same with my peanut butter. I don't want to fight my peanut butter to spread it on a piece of bread because it's rock hard out of the, uh, out of the fridge. It was on the counter. Unless there it's is... organic, whatever. Sure. Give me all the preservatives. Let me stick yeah, that sure. stuff on the shelf. Put, put the butter on the counter outside. You couldn't be doing that in Virginia, man. You'd catch something. There, there would be either a fly in it or salmonella or something would just be floating in there i don't know like you, you can't you can't it's do that cool we, are, we are getting yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're going down the rabbit hole here um yeah, we rating sure are. for this rating for this beer sir 4.3 4.3 i'll give it a uh i'll give it a 4.1 and i know right now so just to clarify because i know people who are listening to this are like oh my god they score every beer four and above this is because this particular package that we were given uh is a just stellar box uh if i had had either two of those stouts that i had if i had had either two of those stouts that i had over the last week uh while we were on air i 100 percent would have uh, given it a 3.25 no those would have been up there those very well <laughs> may have been uh close to fives i would say i would i would i would probably give the state puff State Puff, I would put higher. The State Puff, I would put up there with some of the best outs I've ever had. So, 
that was easily like a four six four seven the mm. other one it depends on your flavor profile and what you like i'm a big barley wine fan i know it's kind of a niche crowd i love a good barley wine and that's kind of what this was it was called honey pot and it was a wheat wine with honey and it was aged in a weller bourbon barrel uh and the one i had was aged for uh just under an under a year and it was amazing barley wines and some of these wheat wines when they're aged like that come off a little sweeter they pick up some of the the bourbon flavor so it feels a little bit more robust but it's still that little sweeter flavor i couldn't do a ton of them obviously because it's they, they range from like 10 to 13 percent uh but for me that's a perfect treat beer it's a great celebratory beer um uh, which is why i opened it up this week we had kind of a big week uh, but either of those two are some of the better ones i've had from all of maine so keep those in mind if you see anything from barrel salt paper planes is a great ipa that they make you see mm-hmm. that one snag that yep. one any of, the barrel, any of the uh, barreled souls, stouts that you see, any of their non-IPAs, every single thing is worth trying. So if you're in Maine, add that to your destinations. Yeah, oh, for sure. I used to live in Saco way back in the day, and, and it was before barreled souls, and I'm really sad that I didn't uh, didn't ever run into that uh, while I was up there. But that's a, that's okay. All right, let's let's get into our, our recap of. Uh, of the past week's events, right? We'll start with Thursday night football, packing 49ers. And I said that, uh, look, I think Green Bay wants to erase the memory of them getting shellacked in the NFC Championship game the year prior, and the Pack was going to win this one easily. And that they did. They won decisively 34-17. to Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns, no picks, one sack. He had all day to throw in this game, and he really made quick work of the 49ers. This game was over pretty quickly. Uh, the pack was six for 12 on third down and the 49ers were three for 10. Obviously there's going to be some brutal weeks for the 49ers. Okay. Hopefully Jimmy G can come back the next month. Nick Mullins who three for 10 on third down. That's just, that's, that's not good. That's not what you want to see, but the team is battered by injuries and it, it just goes to show in a game where Aaron Rodgers can drop 40 and 50 yard scoring bombs on you that if you don't have a counter punch, it's going to be over pretty quickly. And this is kind of one of those games that the pace was good. It was moving. And then next thing you know, it's like, we're in the post game. Uh, that's probably for the best. So there's a couple of those games this, uh, this weekend. Yeah, there sure was. <clears throat> uh, I had the giants and the football team and Holy shit. The giants, not only did they win, but Daniel Jones snaps his nine game turnover streak. So quick little <laughs> going to sit for him. Uh, congratulations to him for, uh, overcoming that demon it does however come with an asterisk because he still did fumble the ball twice new york just managed to hold on to the ball in both of those instances so uh was pretty close i thought washington was going to take this as a result of a turnover uh obviously because they didn't actually turn the ball over uh i my pick was incorrect and i will take that because it means the giants seem to be finding their way but the big story is kyle uh Kyle Allen went down with an ankle injury in the first quarter, and Alex Smith came in to take over. Uh, there was a lot of rust. I mean, he racked up 325 yards, but he only had one passing touchdown, and he gave up three picks, which is uh, a little tough. Um, obviously, he was out for quite a while, so you got to cut him some slack, but there was a lot of promise there. Like He had uh, Terry McLaurin and, and Cam Sims both over 100 yards 
four other receivers were in double digits. And he, so he did find guys and he was making throws. So if he ends up filling in for more than a game, I think there is a little bit of hope to kind of look into or to, to look forward to. I think once he kind of figures out a way to take care of the ball a little better, whether that's reads, uh, just repetition, getting out. I, I, don't, I don't know, but uh, they face the Lions next week. It's going to put up a little bit more of a fight than the Giants, I think. So he's going to have to take care of the ball a little bit better. You do hope they find a way to pull off the win just because it's a great story, if nothing else. Jones still needs to work on taking care of the ball. If they want to continue uh, in the 22 games he has played, this is the only this is only the second game without a turnover. And he's had <laughs> and <laughs> that's oh man. And he and he almost had two in this game. So uh it's not a great record, but seems to be trying to figure it out a little bit. You're gonna have some weeks like that. Bears Titans. Look, I said this game comes down to Derrick Henry and Khalil Mack squaring off because it's as Rex Chapman says, the content I'm here for. Uh, if the Bears don't come correct, the Titans will just run all over them. And that's what I thought was going to happen here, and the Titans are going to win by 10. Here's what actually happened. The Titans won by 7. But this was a huge win for the Tannehill Redemption Tour. He had some rough moments in this game, but he made the Bears pay. 10 completions, 158 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, the majority of those yards, 101 of them, came from A.J. Brown. So, like, the the fact that the Bears weren't able to even respond to it was hilarious uh, because A.J. Brown just feasted on would-be Bears tacklers the entire game. Desmond King, newcomer from the Chargers, returned a fumble for a 60-yard scoop and score, and the Titans are now beginning to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They got three sacks this game, and Jadevian Clowney didn't even play. Uh, the Bears' defense has been finding ways to keep themselves in games, and the offense really tried in this one. But David Montgomery left with a concussion, and linebacker Barkevius Mingo at one point had the most rushing yards on the team with 11 on a fake punt. I mean, that's just nice, I guess. Like a linebacker being your lead rusher for three quarters of the game is not not where you want to be. Uh, look, Jimmy Graham still boomer bust touchdown machine for fantasy purposes, but for the actual Bears defense to hold Derrick Henry to 68 yards was crazy. And you're going to have to look to see if other teams can replicate that going forward. Lions Vikings <clears throat> last week I said Vikings by 14 and Sam you know what the final score was do you mm -mm. it was 34 20 which is 14 points oh look yeah. at that I got cut out because my show notes I had it wrong as, as 32 20 it was 34 20 uh Vikings and me I'm on my own redemption tour uh, after last week, because last week was a shit show. This is all thanks to Dalvin Cook. If you had him on your fantasy team, I'd like to give you a round of applause and congratulate you on your victory, because that man probably carried you to the promised land on his own. He had 252 yards, more offensive yards than either quarterback had on the day on either team. It, it's unreal. The man was just a machine and could not be stopped. Every Twitter was blowing up, calling him the best running back in the league for obvious reasons. He's done this week in week out and he made everyone around him look better. Kirk cousins, who has looked pretty decent this season, even though the record isn't quite reflective of that had a pass rating of 141.7. I think every time I see one of these high passer rating scores, I don't real, I didn't realize they could go that high. So I should probably find out what the ceiling is there. Uh, 
Yeah, there we go. So he was close. He's the highest this yeah. season. Uh, 13 for 20 with three touchdowns and no turnovers. I also suppose if you throw the ball very few times, it's very hard to screw up your passer rating as long as you connect on most of them. Um, Viking, Vikings and Lions have both been kind of struggling to find their way right now, but it looks like as long as Cooks is on the field, they're a tough team to beat, despite what their record may say. It said this a couple weeks ago. We thought they might try and finish this. Uh, they might try and come through the middle of the season and finish the season out pretty strong. If not making a playoff run, at least playing some upsets. I actually want to sway that a little bit and say if they can continue to do this, get some other guys involved because Cook isn't going to be able to carry the team for the next six weeks. They have to get other guys involved. But they are primed to start making some moves, start making some waves in their division at least. and. You know, they could, there's plenty of time to improve that record, at least back to 500. Hopefully, maybe continue on and, and, and make a little bit of a run or at least make some noise, but it sets them up pretty well going into the next season. Yeah, early uh, missed opportunity when uh, Dalvin had an injury, could have traded for him, didn't. Regretting that now. Yeah. Yep. Super regretting that now. Uh, all right, Chiefs, Panthers. Look, I said... I think that the paint, the Panthers won't win this game, but I do think that they're going to put together some some good plays, and the hopeful return of Christian McCaffrey would loom large for a team that wants to turn things around in the second half of the season. And that's exactly what happened. CMC returned. He did loom large here. And until the end of the game where the Panthers down two were trying to kick an obnoxiously long 60-plus-yard field goal, um, they looked like they were in a, in a chance to possibly win this game, which was absolutely crazy. Um, Christian McCaffrey caught all 10 of his passes. 82 yards and a score another 69 yards on the ground and uh, another score. I mean, first game back, like he did sustain a shoulder AC joint injury towards the end of the game, but it was very clear on the sideline, even though he was in pain, he did not want to come out. He wanted to be the engine that makes his team go. Um, and I gotta be honest, uh, Teddy two gloves trading punches with Patrick Mahomes. I didn't, I didn't really see that happening. I thought they would make it interesting. I thought they put some points on the board, but um, they traded punches for most of the game. And if their last drive doesn't stall, they get a little bit closer, they kick that field goal, maybe they squeak out an unbelievable win that you just didn't see coming. Um, while they lost the game 33-31, Teddy Two Gloves, that's what people are calling him. I'm going to keep the trend going. Three touchdown outing. Two passing, one rushing. Uh, the Panthers needed every bit of it because Patrick Mahomes had a four touchdown, 372-yard day. Um, Carolina was three for three and fourth down. Man, I'm telling you, whatever Matt Rule – is doing to the Panthers is giving them a new identity. It's it's kind of hard to find other teams whose record doesn't really match up with their effort, and I think the Panthers are one of those those teams that they'll come out and and they'll put together a good body of work, but they'll just fall short. Then to come against a team like the Chiefs, who are just running all over you, like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey had monster days. They both had almost ten receptions. They both had over hundred yards. They both had a score apiece. Like there was nothing that the Chiefs couldn't do to the defense in this game. Kansas City, very early on, like one other team this week who will not speak of, I won't, because I hate them. Kansas City said, running game? What running game? We don't need a running game. Kansas City had 30 yards of rushing for the entire game. That's not a typo. They said, goodbye, running game. We don't need you this time. And they found a way to win. Just, oh, teams have to literally throw the kitchen sink at Kansas city if they want to stay in the game. And then they have to hope they have a second kitchen sink that's sitting in the back of their car. That they could throw in the fourth quarter. 
because without it, they're just they're gonna get blown off the map. Texans Jaguars. I said last week I thought the Texans would win this if Deshaun Watson had a decent game, and uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, some of my picks this week starting to wrap up. Tim Stradamus. Vegas, here we come. Ah, uh, no, still, still don't do that. Uh, Watson put up 281 yards. He had two touchdowns, and he carried the ball himself for 50 yards in a close 25, uh, 27 to 25 game. Big story here is Jake Lutton, though. The rookie filling in for Jacksonville had himself quite a day. He came up just a little bit short, but he put up 304 yards, missed only 12 of the 38 attempts that he had. He ran the ball for 13 yards and a touchdown in the only running attempt he had on the day. He did fumble once, in which Jacksonville recovered, and he tossed a pick, but it was a pretty promising start for being your first time out. Uh, Jacksonville has been one of those teams where you weren't sure where to point the blame. Some people were looking at Minshew, and we found out he was kind of injured. But they always seemed like they were almost on the cusp of figuring it out. Uh, with some of the struggles they've had, it might be interesting to kind of watch and see how this develops. You wonder if this might turn into another one of those quarterback controversies where guy goes out for an injury, back comes, backup comes in, has himself a couple good games, they end up moving in that direction. Uh, I don't know if I'm there yet. I got to see at least one or two more games out of him. But it was pretty promising. It was also good for Deshaun and, and the Texans to kind of keep squeaking together wins. They're another one of those where uh, their record, I don't think, is quite indicative as to what their offensive play was. At least the defensive side has been kind of uh, a mess for you know, the duration of this entire season, um, a rookie quarterback coming in and almost squeaking out a win against you kind of reflects some of that as well. But glad to see, you know, they're finding ways to make wins happen. JJ Watt committed to, you know, being there to try and win games. I'm, I'm sure that's kind of helping a little bit, but uh, I'll be curious to see whether or not um, this kid comes in, turns turns the tide a little bit and, and, and they kind of go on and win a couple more games. Let's see. Uh, Ravens Colts. <clears throat> I said, look, I think the Colts defense has enough juice to kind of slow down a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Cause he's, he's playing really frustrated. And he wants to make a statement game. And I said, we're going to find that out here. I did think the Ravens are going to win. I thought it was going to be an OT on a walk-off touchdown. There was no OT here, but the Ravens did get right. The reef, the, the defense really looked more like itself even with the early departure of Calais Campbell. The Ravens defensive backs held up and made the Colts pay for a 68-yard fumble return score to tie it at 7-all in the first quarter, and the Colts didn't score in a single point in the entire second half. Not one. Just that, that does not bode well for your offense whatsoever. Uh, Lamar got a rushing touchdown in this game, and I think we're beginning to see the team slowly kind of piece it together and turn it around. Uh, but we need to talk for a second about how the Colts are somehow 5-3. and three. Look, the Ravens should have won this game if you look closely at the numbers. 266 total yards at 339. But when you're completing 19 out of 23 passes versus 25 for 44, LOL, what? You're going to begin to see a bit of what we expect this Ravens team to do. Run the ball. Pick up some first downs. Get a defensive TD. Play prevent defense. Connect on some passes. Let the chips fall where they may. I mean, it remains to be seen if that's enough for them going forward. But I'm more worried about the Colts tossing it that many times and not completing nearly half of them. Like you almost get put into a situation where the run game can't exist anymore because you're down and then you just continue to throw and there's nothing that comes of it. So then like 
what do you do? You, you're one to you're one dimensional and you can't do anything about it. It's just it was a very uncharacteristic loss for that Colts team. And I, I think they're definitely going to be pretty upset about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm literally like a game or two away from benching Lamar as my fantasy QB. He got me 16 points last week, and it's he's had fewer points in the last few weeks, so he hasn't met any of projections. And he's not he's not at this point living up to what his fantasy outputs and his just ability was last season so that's been or a all the hype that you gave him and the guy that you need to draft before the season yeah so, i yeah i didn't forget this one's uh this one's th- that one is a shocker i coming into the season ahead of him as the mvp just a notch above uh mahomes and that has been a terrible terrible take makes you wonder a little bit about the offseason and you know don't know tinfoil hat at some point covid any of that all stuff, right but Tim anyway. foil hat get Get on with this next one because this is going to pain me. So just go I'm ahead sorry. and rush right through it. Let's get go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Today, Tim. <sighs> let's go, Tim. Seahawks, Bills. I'm really sorry, Sam. I'm what really did sorry. you put in last week's show notes, Tim? What did you say? I know, what did you say about this game? I said Seahawks, unless unless Cops what, it up. Tim? Unless, unless who? Unless Russ, Russ gives it up. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, so I'll save the embarrassment a little bit here. Uh, because it makes me feel a little better about the Pats' loss to the Bills. It seems like the Bills actually trying to figure this out. But uh, Russ was definitely cooking again, but this time he was working in a soup kitchen because he was just giving it all away. Charity for everyone. Russ turned the ball over a total of four times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my times. God. That hurts. That hurts I so thought, bad, but it's I so thought, funny. <laughs> I thought you would like that one. I thought you would like that one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gave the ball up four times. He was just serving hot meals and hot plates to literally everybody on the opposite side of the ball. Uh, he had 390 yards total, but that's too much of an obstacle to overcome, especially when you are opposite a guy who put up uh, four bills on you. Two, two in one in one recap. Uh. <laughs> Allen with 415 yards. He had zero turnovers. He had seven guys in double digits, all of which but one had 30 plus yards. Stephon Diggs and John Brown, both of them took on the brunt of the workload. They put up 200 and play, 200 plus yards combined between the two of them. The Bills, man, they're starting to figure this out a little bit. We kind of thought this might be their season with sort of the exit of the Pats. The Pats kind of came out looking strong, but they've been stumbling a little bit since COVID. Uh, Not to make excuses, they've just been struggling a bit. When you saw them beat the Pats, you're like, oh, okay. But obviously, we'll get into the Pats a little bit later. This They haven't been looking great anyway, so you kind of thought, all right, maybe this is just not the Pats year. But Bills come out, and they put up. These kind of numbers against a team like the Seahawks, which we knew there were some questions in the Seahawks defensive side. They shored it up a little bit, but there's still some work to be done. I think this speaks more to the Bills kind of getting their shit together and figuring it out than it does some shortcomings uh, on everybody but Russ's side because Russ needs to figure out how to take care of that ball a little better. I mean, he's starting to come up in conversations with some of these other guys who have a long record this season of coughing the ball up at least once a game. Um, in Russ's case, sometimes it's not just not just once. So something's going on there a little bit. Either he's not trusting his reads, uh, he's second-guessing them, uh, or just missing a lot of the defensive reads that are out there. But because he's putting up so many numbers, he's able to overcome a lot of those, and that record doesn't necessarily show some of, the, some of that side. But 
man, this was a really impressive win for the Bills. I have to give it to them. I'm not in any way putting down the Seahawks. They're still going to go on and, and continue on having success this season. But the Bills, hell of a surprise. Uh, currently, they're sitting at 7-2. and two. Seahawks are at 6-2. and two. I never thought I would see that exchange come up. Um, I never thought I would see the Bills in such a heavy win column. But we did say last week it's been a weird season where you're either way down in your losses or you're way up in your wins. There's there's very few teams that are in the middle. Um, but to see the Bills on that top end, I mean, I'm here for it. Anything to make the that division stronger, good by me. So good for the Bills. Yeah, good for the Bills. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. Sorry, when you Sam. convert when you convert a third and twenty-five, uh it's it's pretty much over if Wilson yeah, can yeah. just ball outrageous and uh, we don't have enough time for this. We're moving on. We're moving on. Um I'm so pissed I'm not even gonna recap and in, in preview Seattle's next game. I, I gave that to you. I, I just I can't right now. I'm hurt. I'm, I'm hurt. start calling him I'm gonna start calling him soup kitchen Russ. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Preble Street, Preble Street, Russ. For those, uh, no, 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 no. Moving on, we're cutting this one short. Broncos, Falcons. Look, I said that the Broncos are a feisty squad, and I think this game will have some fireworks in it based on the fact the Broncos got to start stacking some wins if they want to have a shot at the wild card. But Atlanta can play spoiler, and I expect them to do that. Falcons by four points, Falcons win, Falcons win, Falcons win by seven. This is a complete turnaround that interim head coach Raheem Morris has got his name in the running for the actual head coaching vacancy in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta was scoring points in the first half at 10 per quarter, and then for the second half of the game, they dropped seven points per quarter. And then that allowed the Broncos to drop another 21 points in the fourth quarter, and they just came up a touchdown short to lose 27 to 34. You know, I have to appreciate that Atlanta seems to have forgotten how to blow leads because other teams are doing it now. Uh, But the running game is really kind of bogged down here. Gurley got 20 carries for 52 yards. That's what you expect like a second or, or a third stringer to come in there and do. Not, not your RB1. Uh, that's not going to cut it against other squads in the NFC South. Uh, Denver had absolutely no answer for Olamide Zacchaeus, who had four receptions, 103 yards, and a score. And if you had Jerry Judy on your fantasy team, let me tell you where he probably was this week, on your bench, beasting. You paid dearly for it. Seven receptions, 125 yards plus the score. There's a play that you're going to want to go and see from this game, and I encourage you. It's probably under most of the game highlights anyways. Um, he 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 just slyly tosses his hand up in the air like throw me the ball as if he thinks he has the DB beat and he's going to go on a go route. He fakes out the DB so hard that the DB puts his head down and just tries to run to get to the end zone before Jerry Judy does. And as he does that, Judy puts his foot in the ground, cuts back inside, grabs a pass, and takes it to the house for 41 yards. I was not expecting to see that. That is like a like a veteran move you see in like your second or third season. You don't see that from a rook. So while Denver has spunk, if they can learn to start scoring points in, I don't know, the first quarter, the second quarter, they're going to start surprising teams. But Atlanta, props to you. You didn't lose a game. Oh, it's it's, it's not my turn, right? It's still your turn. Ah, that's true. That's yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, Raiders, Sam's turn still. Don't worry. I fixed it. I fixed it next week. Don't worry. <laughs> We're going to get there. I said, look, hey, Raiders fans, how you feeling? You got to be feeling pretty good about this game. Okay. Derek Carr, two touchdowns, only 165 yards. Kind of like the Ravens. If you don't got to chuck it a ton and you can still win the game, go win the game. Uh, Justin Herbert, 
326 yards, two touchdown performance, a QB duel this was not, which I didn't really think it was going to be. I mean, to be honest, what I thought it was going to be is that the Chargers are going to score a lot of points and that the Raiders are going to clamp down. And that's exactly what happened. Um, came down to the wire. The Chargers looked like they were actually going to pull out an improbable 32-31 to 31 win, but it was revealed that tight end Donald Parnum was out of bounds. So on back-to-back goal line fades, neither of which went to Keenan Allen, quizzically, uh, the Chargers fell short, and the Raiders held on to win ugly. Um, look, they've got this little two running back by committee going on, kind of reminiscent of like Pete Carroll at USC back in the day. Got Josh Jacobs, Devontae Booker, both nearly 70 yards, both scoring. Clearly, whatever their running game is doing right now is working. I mean, call me crazy. But maybe the millions of dollars in fines for violating and not abiding by the league's COVID protocols has made Chucky, the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, pretty mad because now the Raiders are scrappy enough to face a decent Browns team and win, effectively outlast a division opponent that took the Chiefs to OT. Oh, and they beat the Chiefs by eight. So, yeah, 100% here for the new retooled Raiders approach that wants to duke it out with teams. I don't think they can catch the Chiefs necessarily because uh, I don't see them sweeping the divisional series against them. But the way the Raiders are playing right now, they're going to turn some heads in January. I think they just accrued more penalties too, didn't they? Yeah, but sometimes, you know, penalties yeah. don't matter. Like stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, my turn now. And you guys get to listen to hear me talk for a little while. Sorry. Uh, I had Steelers Cowboys, and I said Steelers by a thousand points. Uh, no, Steelers took the game, but it wasn't a blowout like we had expected. Eric Gilbert put up a pretty valiant effort against the Steel Juggernaut, but <clears throat> not nearly enough. He put up 243 yards, fell a little bit short. Uh, but they did come within a touchdown of beating an undefeated team, which is very impressive for a team like Dallas, who, you know, I don't need to beat on them they've had a tough enough season coming into it um maybe a little promise though they're on their third they're on their third quarterback this season uh and uh go up against the team like the Steelers and put up numbers um maybe it's that little glint of hope maybe they can kind of turn around a little bit I'll be interested to see how this pans out going forward though because Several members, including Big Ben, just tested positive for COVID. So that uh, I, I know we're no longer delaying games or rescheduling because of COVID because I guess COVID doesn't matter quite as much anymore. Um, but that's for the first now, week. Did he test positive, though? I think he got put on the list because well, he, he had got put high on contact. Yeah, high contact was... or risk with high contact people. Yeah, you're right. You're right you're contact right. with high risk people. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I, I'm, I, I stand corrected. They, they didn't test positive. They were, um, in high contact of those who, of folks who did test positive. So they were put on the, the reserve list. So see what happens there if they make the game or not. Um, but Gary Gilbert, shining light for that team. If he can come together, maybe string together another little win. Maybe, maybe there's something to uh, look forward to going forward. Yeah, all that all that trash I talked about, Cooper Rush. Who the hell is Cooper Rush? Why is he starting a game? He didn't, so thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Dolphins, Cardinals. Look, for some reason, the Dolphins are sneaky good this year. They're coming off a bye, and look, they're not the Rams, but they're finding ways to put points up, and there doesn't seem to be a team that has an answer for Kyler Murray. So mm-hmm. I thought, outside of Kyler Murray in the running game, 
that was oscillating between full send and full idle. I thought that Arizona was going to win this game, but it was going to be close and only by a field goal. Here's what happened. The Cardinals did go full send. Kyler Murray played out of his mind. And somehow it was the Dolphins that won this game 34-31. to 31. Arizona threw the absolute house at Miami, and Miami didn't blink. Arizona punted one time this entire game. Kyler Murray had three passing touchdowns, ran for another. He had five incompletions on the day. He had 100-plus yards on the ground, and he stole Kyle Van Noy's soul on a 28-yard scamper on fourth and one. And somehow they lost this game. Outside of a fumble in the first quarter that the Miami defense returned for a score and a missed field goal, that was a 50-yard attempt by Zane Gonzalez, the two teams just slugged it out. It was like a 12-round heavyweight prize fight. And look, this was the 425 game that occurred at the same time as Steelers-Cowboys. And if you didn't live in Florida or Arizona, you didn't see this game. It didn't come up. So unless you had the Sunday ticket or a stream, there's no way you saw this game, which is a travesty because this game was awesome. It was back and forth all day. It was a whirlwind of a game. Brian Flores' choice to move from Fitzmagic to Tua looks like it's paying off. Tua tossed it just under 30 times. He connected for 20, where this game absolutely gets crazy bananas to me. Miami had eight third downs and converted four of them, whereas Arizona had 12 third downs and only converted five. Now, Arizona did go two for three and fourth, and the last fourth down they attempted, they didn't convert, and that looms large because when they attempted to kick the field goal later to send the game to OT, they missed. Defense did their part in Miami, but I got to tell you, I don't know if it's just because Tua is a left-hander. It's absolutely stunning to see him zinging and ripping passes that are accurate as hell with his left hand because when he hops back in the pocket there, he's exposed towards the viewer. And what I mean by that is go back and watch like, you know, another one of these NFL games. When the quarterback comes back in the pocket, you usually see their nameplate. You see the, the number on their back. You don't see their full open body. And when there are rushers that are coming from a side that's open and a guy is throwing with that hand on the open side, you're just like, please don't, please don't, please don't, please don't get injured. Don't get strip sacked. Don't. And, and he just continued to rip it all over the park. I mean, the anxiety I get just even like talking about it now is not what I felt like during during the game itself because you have multiple pass rushers that are going to try and collapse that side because they know that's where it's weak. And I mean, this kind of football is actually really exciting. You don't have to be a big fan of football to know that in week 17 when the Bills go against the Dolphins, if they can keep winning some games and the Bills can slip a little bit, this game in week 17 could be for the division. And that is the perfect chef's kiss era of post Tom Brady with the bills and the dolphins in mm -hmm. Buffalo week 17. Speaking of a one superstar, Tom Brady, and uh, sorry, this is now where you get to hear me talk loud. I got the next two <laughs> games. <clears throat> uh, Saints Buccaneers. Uh, woof. This was, this was a bad one. It was real bad. It's not quite as bad as the line would suggest. If you just look at the statistics, it didn't quite match up to what you saw on the field. Tom threw three interception. One, though, was a ball that was batted from one lineman to another lineman and then deflected into another lineman's arms, which is just shit luck. Uh, and good, good heads-up football by the linemen to just constantly paying attention. The other one was on a fourth down attempt. Uh, he was getting ready to get sacked. He lobbed the ball up just to try and get it downfield. Uh, and it actually worked out in... Tampa's favor because the uh, the defender was tackled 15 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. So 
otherwise, it would have been tackled for a loss. And anyway, um, it just wasn't a great game. I don't necessarily know if I would put all the blame on Brady. He did miss a couple throws, but there were a ton of missed opportunities where receivers dropped the ball. There were two end zone plays back to back. One Gronk dropped the ball that should have been easily caught. Another one went to Evans, went through the arms of the def- the uh, the defender directly through his arms. So they missed out on a on a touchdown there as well. There was lots of those kind of plays where he hit people in stride and they just missed. But he did miss a couple of throws. One was uh, Gronkowski. He missed by like a yard and a half. It wasn't a big miss, but he just barely missed him on a goal route straight to the end zone. That would have been a touchdown. But the big story for me is the O-line. The O-line was awful, 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 awful. Tom Brady was under duress the entire game. He ate canvas more times in that game than I've seen in several games. I've actually been talking to folks on the side about what I thought some of the shortcomings were. Even though they've done well, I thought that offensive line was a big sort of glaring problem on that team uh, that gets a little bit swept under the rug because they're five and two. They've gone out, or well, now they're, they're five and three, but they went out, they won some big games. They did lose to the saints. They lost to the saints at the opening of the season. They seem to have their, their number when it comes to these games, but as sort of an example of what's going on, Tom Brady was tackled on three consecutive plays by the same guy. I, <laughs> well, it's like, well, I don't understand. Are you talking about the Hendrickson play? Yeah, there were three in a row. Brutal. They took the first one away for penalty, and the guy just came back and did it again. And and then again. Oh, it was amazing. It was was so (laughs) bad. But that's sort of like an example of what he's had to deal with his offensive line. Like, they're either great or they're terrible. There's very often where they're, like, mediocre in between. They're they're just – there needs to be some work done there if they need to get – because they need to give him time to kind of help figure it out. We thought Antonio Brown was going to come in make some changes. He was pretty much a non-factor. He had, I think, maybe five catches for like 30 yards. It wasn't It wasn't too much. Uh, but, I mean, they looked good coming into the game. I think they'll be fine down the stretch. They need to make some changes or figure their shit out on the offensive line or they're going to be uh, in, a, in a tough spot. But, again, I think the Saints have just sort of had Tom Brady and the, Bucc- the Buccaneers number this entire season. Seven interceptions for Brady. Five of them have been to the Saints in the two games that they've played. But before we go screaming about a cliff and this is it, Tom Brady look old. He has done this once before, and it was back uh, in in 2011 against the Bills. He actually threw four interceptions in a game. So it's not like this is totally unheard of. This is one of those was just shit luck. The other one was just a hope and a prayer when they were way down. So. Breeze looked good, though. He only missed six pass attempts in the 33 tries that he had. When you're finding everyone you're throwing the ball to, it makes these kind of wins pretty easy. So uh, this one was the Saints big. I think it was summed up by, you know, James Winston coming on screen during Drew Breeze's postgame, eating the W. <laughs> to kinda, That's a W. That's a yeah, W. Just kind of rubbing it in a little bit. I mean, pump the brakes. You're a backup. And relax. You heard what he said, right? He was like, "This is the real goat." Yeah, yeah. That's mm. that's aggressive. Like I, I get the it. hardware begs to differ, but okay. The hardware begs to differ, and the two of them are 
are like battling back and forth for all time touchdowns. So easy, easy backup, Jameis. You're fine. Speaking of Tom Brady again, I have Patriots and Jets. <sighs> this week is making me look a little bit more like I know what I'm talking about than the previous <laughs> weeks, and I'll take it. I said Patriots, but it'll be closer than what it should be. Um, I didn't quite expect to come from behind win. I did think this one was going to be closer just based off of the way the Patriots have been playing, and I was right. I'll take it. Uh, I thought given the performance against the Bills, and this was before the Bills went on and just completely demolished the Seahawks. I thought this was just the Patriots playing poorly. Turns out Wait, it was a combo. On. It was did a they, combo of the two. Did, did, did the Bills absolutely demolish the Seahawks? Because I only want to count the legal points. The legal points are the only ones that matter. <laughs> Let's not count the illegal points because I, I think, as the record will show, we filed some lawsuits, and I don't think that those, those points in the second half will really stick. Um, stay tuned for more at yeah. the Four Seasons. um yeah so all counts all all scores being counted they got their ass kicked uh and the the bills also uh beat the pats um this took a come behind victory from cam and company to try and make this thing work during the game i was thrown down on some call of duty war zone with some of the fellas and the pats were on i said hey look the pats are gonna win we're all surprised. So you think the Pats are really going to come back and win this game? To which I answered, I have less faith in the Pats coming back to win and more faith in the Jets finding a way to screw it up and giving the game away. Which, again, mm. these, these predictions are spot on. I'm telling you. Yeah. That's uh, exactly what happened. Uh, they put the Pats in position to win because they gave up two massive penalties. One was 12 men on the field. And Flacco throwing the ball all over the place, slinging it all game, finally copped one up all in the later portion of the fourth quarter, put the Pats in position first for a field goal, and then he gave them the opportunity to come down and uh, tie the game. And it it was just, as it was happening, I'm like, ah, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Uh, capitalized by a 51-yard field goal to win the game. And I said, look, we watched it live. I, I shit talked these guys live saying, I told you guys this had less to do with how well the Pats were playing and how bad the Jets are this season. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Flacco was out throwing the ball over the place. He had 260, 262 yards. He threw a couple of bombs. One of them was 50 plus yards. So he did look decent. Something looked off with Cam, though, again, this game. Lots of his throws were from awkward positions where he was either standing with his legs and his shoulders aligned instead of pushing off his back foot, so there wasn't a lot of oomph in a lot of these balls. He missed several guys pretty big, too. Uh, There were a couple big drops that had happened uh, from some of their guys, but for the most part, he was missing guys by, like, 15 yards, 10 yards downfield. Uh, he was missing some of the short dunk and dive passes that he would normally make. He did show a little bit of old cam and coming back to help win the game in that short yardage uh, touchdown that he ran in himself. But I've said it over the last few weeks. There's something off in that team or in the way that he's playing. I can't say for sure, and I'm not going to say that it's COVID, but since the COVID layoff and he's come back, 
he has not looked like the same player. And I know a lot of people who watched Cam over the last few years are saying, oh, this is just you getting what you paid for. This is Cam Newton. He's inconsistent. He doesn't have a great arm. He's inaccurate. The first few games he played in are drastically different than the games he's played since he's come back. So I don't think this is the same old, same old we've had every story. There's something to miss there. We don't quite know what it is. Not being accurate and missing a guy by 15 yards when you were throwing dimes the weeks before you went out. Something's not right. Don't know what it is. Not ready to say, you know, COVID's the problem, but it's awfully coincidental. There's been studies to show some of the effects that it has on your body. Maybe there's something underlying there that we need to maybe pay attention to. But in any event, they got to figure it out. Otherwise, it's it's Stidham time. Unfortunately. Oh, oh. And yeah. just looking better and better for me. Knock on wood for that jersey bet <clears throat> with you every day. Oh, I've already, every I've day. already, I've already, well, I mean, let's uh, see. Uh, let's see uh, uh, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> that was week nine. Let's move in. Let's get crack in week 10. Start off Thursday night. Um, obviously, Thursday night, November 12th, the day before, Wednesday, Veterans Day. Want to shout out to all the veterans. You listen to Sassamatter podcast. Um, shameless self promotion. I will not be doing a damn thing that uh, requires work on November 11th, um, as I am a veteran. And um, you guys have probably all seen this salute to service stuff. You probably all read the articles about how, at one point in time, teams, you know, paid the Department of Defense to have some advertising and they had the flyovers and everything. Yeah, I get it. Um, at the same time, just know, even though I'm conflicted about these salute to service games and these on the field, you know, reunites uh, of family members with loved ones who are deployed, like I can tell you that I went to a salute to service game. It was Seahawks Cardinals, and I, I I watched it in CenturyLink Field, you know, pretty much from the field and standing like 15 feet from Larry Fitzgerald was just like incredible. The guy that was singing the national anthem was like going through his pregame routine like 10 feet from me. There was a whole bunch of Chinook helicopters that flew over. It was just amazing. The NFL is good at strumming up emotions and support. October is obviously crucial catch for breast cancer and other cancer awarenesses. The month of November is obviously, you know, in that week, there's a lot of salute to service games. Really appreciate it. Take it for what it is. Obviously, it's a bit of a marketing ploy. It's a good return on investment for both the league and the armed forces. But at the same time, I challenge you to watch one of those reunifications where someone who hasn't seen their their son or their daughter or their dad or their mom, and then they come back from like overseas, whether it's an actual combat deployment or, you know, an unaccompanied tour. And mm-hmm. the kids are just so happy to see, like, there's just something about it. It gets me every single time I got to, I got to walk out of the room. I'm like, who's cutting onions? I'm out. I'm out. I got, I got to leave. So just remember that when you see some of those games this week, in the rest of the month of November, just give it up for the veterans. Amen, sir. And thank right. you for your service. Ah, well, just it was cool. It was something to do. Uh, <laughs> Thursday night, Colts Titans. Look, the Titans made quick work out of the Bears defense and let them try to come back a little bit. But Nick Foles is not really as good of a passer as Phil Rivers is, and I think the Colts have to really get back on track here, especially in the division where this game is. So it's a very, very important game for the AFC South race. And to that end, I think we're going to witness a boat race on Thursday night, which is good. Haven't really seen a lot of those. It's been usually one-sided. 
Um, I think if you're the Colts, you have to look to replicate what the Bears did against Derrick Henry. Keep under 100 yards. And this time, Colts, pick your poison that's not named A.J. Brown, okay? If you can do that, and one of those teams gets a pick six, I'm going to predict it's going to be the Colts. I think the Titans are going to win, but I think it'll be a nail-biter, 34-31. I have Eagles and Giants, and this one's kind of a tricky one because the Eagles have won the last five matchups uh, against the Giants, but the Giants, I don't want to say they're kind of piecing it together, but this is another one of those that if, uh, if Daniel Jones can manage the ball, this one might come out a little bit more competitive just based off of the struggles that Philly has had at the uh, through the start of the season. I keep saying the start of the season. We're pretty much halfway through the season at this point. But on paper, him and Wentz are almost identical. Uh, they've almost on the same around the same amount of yardage and the same amount of attempts. Uh, Wentz has maybe four more touchdowns on the season than Daniel Jones does. So I do think that this one could be a toss up. Phillies three, four, and one. Giants are two and seven. And the Giants are going to come off a little bit of momentum coming into this game, and I think they might find a way to sneak out another close win. Again, provided Daniel Jones doesn't go back and start coughing up some of these balls. If he continues to take care of the ball, figure it out, I think they win probably a close one. Um, I think this ends up being maybe a little bit sort of an offensive, you know, snooze fest i don't think that either team is going to put up a ton of points but i do i, I do think the giants going to walk over this one all right i have aguars packers and now the packers realize that the race for the number one seed in the nfc is not quite over okay Seattle and New Orleans are still hot on their heels. So this, like a lot of games over the next couple of weeks, are absolutely crucial to build a cushion in the NFC and your division. And I think the Jags, they're going to start Jake Lutton again. What you saw last game was pretty good. Is, is the mustache back from his thumb surgery? Who knows? Is it going to hurt you to give him an extra week? No, it probably won't. I think when you have the deep passing game coming together, like the Jaguars have been able to replicate with both quarterbacks and the running game with James Robinson. I kind of feel like this game could be a would-be trap game for the Packers. Okay. Remember the Jags almost beat a Texans team that was moving the ball at will and giving up 50 yard bombs at the same time. So if I am a betting man, which I'm not, and if I'm a praying man, which I'm not, I'm keeping the Jacksonville defensive backs in my prayers and I'm, probably paying for the over because <laughs> I really think that Devonte Adams right now at this point in the season looks like a Lamborghini and the pack are just going to go all over this team and the pack are going to win by at least a touchdown. Uh, Washington football team uh, versus the lions. This one, this one on paper, it's easy to go. Lions, just because of the difference between Haskins and Stafford, but now that we have Alex Smith in the mix, um, I mean, Haskins hasn't been great this season, so if he makes the start, I think this is an easy one for Detroit. 
uh, Stafford has over a thousand more yards this season than uh, Haskins does. He has ten more touchdowns this season than what Haskins does. Detroit seeming to kind of find their their way and put together decent games, even though they may not have been winning them. They found ways to be somewhat competitive. And last week, you could say Washington kind of did, but they kind of shot themselves in the foot with all those turnovers. So this one, I feel like, could be a toss-up. If Alex comes out and can take care of the ball, bring in some of that veteran mentality and find ways to put up the same kind of numbers he had last week against Detroit, they, they definitely have a chance. But I think there's a little bit too much rust to shake off take over a starting position if all you have is a week. So I think Stafford and the Lions are going to find a way to, to, to take this one. I think if Smith starts again, it's going to go one of two ways. Smith is going to come in, going to have a couple more turnovers that are going to sort of put them behind the ball, or Haskins is going to come back and start, and he's just not going to have a very productive game. So I think the Lions are going to take this one. Might even be a pretty lopsided win. Uh, even though I think they're relatively low scoring, Washington could be held to maybe a couple field goals. But I got lines this one. Oh, oh! And I'm trying. Insane. I'm trying to undo all the work I just did this week with the correct picks and the accurate picks, mind you. Yeah, I even had yeah. some of those you, point point guesses. But you don't want to mess it up. You want to you want to throw it back to yourself just a little bit. Texans Browns. Look, the Texans burly. Got by the Jaguars, okay? The only reason why they won that game is because the Jags failed on a two-point attempt, okay? <laughs> the Browns coming off their bye. They have a healthy-ish Nick Chubb who just got off of IR. They're going to want to set the pace early here. If I'm Will Fuller being the first Houston Texan to have six touchdowns in six consecutive games, which is insane to think about, they should have had – I don't know, DeAndre Hopkins, Andre Johnson, that should have happened before now, but they'll take it. Will Fuller, good for fantasy. Maybe not so good for the Texans in real life. They were talking about trying to move him before the trade deadline, but they're continuing to keep him in the offensive game plan. Um, They already have double the amount of losses everyone else in the AFC South does. So the Texans are playing to hope that they can sneak into a wild card spot, assuming a lot of other tiebreakers go their ways and a lot of people collapse at the end of the season. That's a pretty big if. But in order to do that, that means they have to win with some conviction. And you start this week with the Browns. Clearly, they found something on offense. They can hemorrhage a bit on defense. But now is the time you got to start building. But I don't see a big blood here. Texans by field goal. All right. About to get to Tim Tufer. Buccaneers, Panthers. Um, this one's another one of those tough ones because the Panthers have been playing somewhat well. I think this is going to depend on whether McCaffrey can come back or not. I'm going to assume he's probably going to end up out again if he wasn't already declared out. I missed the uh, insider update that would have come out yesterday. Uh, if he's in the game, it's a totally different team. I think the Buccaneers are not going to have back-to-back losses. Tom Brady's not going to come out and make some of those same mistakes. He's either going to uh, sacrifice the entire offensive line to the football gods and bring in a couple ball boys and have some more success, uh, or they're going to find ways to scheme around their shortcomings. Uh, Kind of been at the forefront for a little bit, but not talked about quite as much. 
I think they make the right adjustments coming into this week. As long as they can protect Brady, I think I take him over most teams other than the Saints, apparently. And I think the Panthers being a little bit banged up, I don't think Teddy two gloves is going to be enough. It might be a closer game, but I do think Brady and, and that team is going to take it. All righty. Broncos uh, Raiders. No, 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 man. No, 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 no. See? Yeah, 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 yeah. After last week, I got to take all the showtime and airtime I can get. So Sam put me in for back-to-back. <laughs> so y'all get to listen to me again. Uh, and I got the Chargers and the Dolphins. I'm just on my Florida vibe right now. Uh, no, uh, it's going to sound like it because I'm going to take the Dolphins here. I think Tua has been uh, incredibly good. To my surprise, coming in, I think he's one of those guys that's really making kind of a statement in the way he's been playing. I still am a little concerned about some of the injuries and how this is going to shape up going forward. Uh, But it's kind of a good storyline because Justin Herbert has been playing incredibly well on his end. I think I think the Chargers themselves are playing better than what their two and six record currently indicates. So. I do think they stand a chance to put up some competitive numbers against teams every week could be their week. Uh, I mean, I I honestly think that if the Chargers came out and had a good game and won this game, I wouldn't be overly shocked. But I think right now Miami is just kind of moving along. They're really finding their stride. I think some of the changes they made on the coaching side, the changes they made on the QB side is shaping up to be enough or to be exactly what that team has needed. And I think right now they're just sort of a steam, a steam train just charging ahead. And I think that was not a pun, uh, but I think they're literally just moving along. And I think the Chargers are just the next team that's in their way. Eventually teams are going to figure it out a little bit. As more tape comes out each week, you find ways to scheme against it. You find ways to kind of bolster your defense against that sort of thing. But since he's still sort of the new shiny thing, there's still some room for, uh, you know, surprises that I think will get figured out as the season goes on. But right now, I think two a time is is moving along, and I think the Chargers are just sort of the next victim in that line. Womp womp for the Chargers. I mean, head coach Anthony Lynn said this week, look, at some point, things are going to start going our way. <laughs> no, no. You are you are the harbinger of your own destiny. You can't just say, well, we put a lot of good good football out there in the universe. You know, karma will come back. Get out of here with that. <laughs> oh, oh. All right. That, they did eat a lot of losses, though. For they a did, long time. yeah, for sure. They also punctured their starting quarterback's lung with mm-hmm. a needle. He's suing still, right? Uh, I, w- I, w- I mean, I would. So it's not, it's not <laughs> surprising. All right, Broncos, Raiders. Look, I said it. The Raiders are good, okay? They're gritty, ugly wins. Their victory against the Chiefs earlier in the season means we got to take them a little seriously here, okay? Here's the problem. Divisional game. And the Broncos have figured out in back-to-back weeks they can almost win games if they just start scoring points in the fourth quarter to make it close. I think that happens again here. Okay, Divisional teams play each other tough anyways, but the Broncos are going to get it together earlier. And this game is a razor-thin margin just for like last week against the Chargers. Now, that being said, the Broncos are not the Chargers. Okay? Um Drew Locke is not Justin Herbert. And I think the Raiders can eke out another divisional victory here, but it's going to be super close, 28 to 24. 
I got Buffalo, Arizona, and I think this matchup is a little closer than what many might expect given Kyler Murray's performance. Josh Allen statistically is actually the better of the two quarterbacks here. He has a few more touchdowns. Uh, he has about 400 more yards on the season. Um, has taken a few more attempts, but in 217 completions versus Kyler Murray's 190, Allen's got two, uh, 2,500 yards versus Kyler's 2,100 yards. So this one's this one I think could be a toss-up that could go either way. It's really difficult right now to game plan against Kyler Murray, just like we had just talked about with Tua. He's another one of those you know new shiny toys in the NFL. Obviously, he's had a little bit more exposure. He's had a lot more playtime. So you can see what's coming. Teams are still having a hard time defending against it, even though you know that it's coming. The Bills, however, are a totally different story right now. They're a team that was rejuvenated coming into the season with the separation of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Uh, they had a really strong start. Patriots came out having a strong start, so that was sort of a little bit of a gut shot, thinking, okay, well, maybe not. And then they go and put up two back-to-back wins, one against the Patriots, one against the Seahawks. So you got to think, if they're able to go in and do some of that work, they have a chance to come in and be competitive against a team like the Cardinals. I think this one's going to be a close. Uh, I think this one's going to be a close call, and I actually think the Bills might find a way to win this one. I think their defense, the ability to uh, keep Russ in check, the ability to keep Cam and that team in in check, plus their record alone. They've had some pretty great games over the course of the first ten weeks. They sit at seven and two. They've come a long way since they were the season before. Despite how good the Cardinals are, I think the Cardinals are going to make some some waves in the in the postseason. I think this one goes the Bills' way, and I think that it, it'll be close. I wouldn't be shocked if this one goes into overtime, but I'll take this one by a field goal for the Bills. OT and a field goal. We will see about mm. that. All right, 49ers, Saints. Look, the Saints are finally getting right. They absolutely demolished the Buccaneers the other night. They swept the the Tom Brady Bucks. That hasn't happened for Tom Brady to be swept by a division opponent in 19 years. That record will probably stand for as long as you and I are alive because that is just a yeah. crazy amount of time. Uh, if Richard Sherman can come back for this game, maybe Michael Thomas won't be as big of a factor as he's going to be because he played last game and everyone else caught passes but him. I mean, there was like 11 players like on, on, on that roster that caught a pass. Mm-hmm. They were just constantly moving the chains. Um, I don't think there's enough Nick Mullins could possibly do to slow down the Saints and that's why I think they keep marching on, and they're going to win this one pretty easily. Seahawks, Rams. Uh, I think this one's actually going to. I'll save. I'll save you the potential drama and anxiety, Sam. I think this one is going to go Seahawks. Actually, uh, I don't think they're going to come out and give up back-to-back losses like that. The Rams, while they're a decent team, they're five and three. Uh, they've been one of those that we've said several times that something on that team doesn't pass the eye test, and I think this is going to be one of those type of games where they get exposed a little bit. Um, I think Russ is going to come out. He's going to want to sort of rebound well, put up some points early. It's going to come down to whether or not, one, unfortunately, how many times he turns the ball over, and two, whether or not the defense can make a couple stops. Goff hasn't been stellar uh, in the last few weeks like we had seen over the uh, the last few years. So I think the Seahawks, if Russ takes care of the ball and their defense finds a way to make a couple key stops, I think the Seahawks are going to take this one. 
That would be great. If you've ever watched any Seahawks Rams game, you know that it always comes down to the end. So, yeah, <laughs> this, yeah, Mister Unlimited, we're we're holding out for you here in, in twelve land. All what, right, what's what's your guess, Sam? What, what do you give us the score? The um, they always give up like like the second worst loss of the Pete Carroll Russell Wilson era was like a forty two to eight thumping mm-hmm. by the Todd Gurley and Jared Goff Rams when Sean McVay first got there. Uh, that was in the rain. That was in the rain a couple of years ago. It was really bad, but for the most part, Seattle has found ways to score a ton of points against this team. Aaron yeah. Donald's going to get his sacks. That's just going to happen. But Jalen mm-hmm. Ramsey, for being a shutdown corner, DK Metcalf's been able to be that neutralizer on the other side. I do think this is more of a Tyler Lockett game. Chris Carson should be back. God, we need the boys back in town. That's what we need. So I think this will be close. It would not surprise me at thirty-four, thirty-one. Yeah. Kind of game. So- so the Rams have taken four of the last five games, but to show you how poorly the Seahawks uh, defense has performed over the last, I mean, they've had some really close games. Russ has put up 28 touchdowns, which is the most of any of the quarterbacks we've talked about so far. And they still have not only lost games, but have had a lot of closer games than what we expected. So again, as long as the defense can make a couple moves, LA seems to have Seattle's number. But if the defense can come out, make a few stops, someone like Lockett has a bust-out game. Not a bust-out game. I, that's not the wrong word. But as long as he has you know, a, a really high output game, because like you said, I don't think Ramsey's the same shutdown corner that he has been. So I think Metcalf's going to get out, do his work, as he does every single week, finds a way to even in evening games where he doesn't put up a ton of numbers. He has at least one or two plays that really make you say, oh, shit, look at this guy. So I think that's going to happen. I think this is going to come down, like you said, to Lockett just running all over them. Um, but, yeah, Seahawks. It, it, one stat that doesn't matter from last week was that the Seattle defense, who had come into that game maybe only having six sacks in the season, put up seven against the Buffalo Bills. Now they got they got torched by the Blitz. You live by the Blitz, you die by the Blitz. That's what yep. commentator Brock Hewitt said. Seven sacks in a game is nothing to shake a fist at. There obviously will be some things going forward. The defense has to get right, or they're going to get you know blown right out of the postseason, probably in the divisional round. Uh, yeah, we, we hope we hope things move a little bit, a little bit more than that. Go Seahawks! All right, Bengals Steelers. Look, we know Big Ben is on the COVID nineteen reserve list because he played a game of spades with someone who was you know a high risk for COVID nineteen. Maybe he shared a beer with someone. Maybe he went to a hotspot. I don't really know what happened, but he's on the list. He's not going to be playing or practicing with the team. Look, he's going to quarantine for at least five days from the team. No practice. That might hurt a regular quarterback, but I bet for a guy like Big Ben, a salty vet, he probably needs that time to rest, and and that will probably help here a little bit, especially after he got banged up last week. Now, if Big Ben doesn't play, the Steelers are going to drop this game. Okay, Mason Rudolph is not going to beat the Bengals. Uh, And I just say that in the fact that that team was not able to get out of second gear last year with Mason Rudolph and Minka Fitzpatrick and the Watt brother and Devin Bush had to carry that defense and win games for them. So if Big Ben doesn't play, they're going to go eight and one. But if Big Ben does play, they're going nine and zero. I'm a huge fan of the hashtag Let Joey Roar movement, but the, this Steelers defense is too legit to quit, and I'm not quitting on this week. Is that an actual movement, or did you create that yourself? Uh, I, I'm, I'm starting it. I'm starting to look. Like this, this, this is the thing. If I get on my soapbox for a little minute, you know that last week Russ submitted a trademark and a patent file for hashtag let Russ cook. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is some ignorant stuff if you do that. Now, I, I understand why he did it because he, he wants to have the Why Not You Foundation. He wants to sell cooking utensils, and it's it's a funny play Aprons on words. and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great, great, fantastic toy, believe it. Yo, trademark that after the season. Put put yep. a placeholder on it. Do something with it after the season. That happens. Pete Carroll gets a contract extension, and everyone in Seahawks land is like, oh, this is great. This is fantastic. Look what's going to happen. And we got cute, and we lost the game. We got thumped. Hmm. The 10 points is not even as enough. So you, you can't be doing that. You can't be getting cute. Yeah. 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 Ben has definitely been more efficient with the ball, even though Burroughs has more yardage this season. But uh, I thought for sure you were going to pick Burroughs over Seattle. So see, I gave you some a, restraint. I, I gave you a two for one. I said, if Ben doesn't start, then the Bengals are going to win. But if Ben does start, then the Steelers are going to win. I, so, like yeah, I, I gave you a two for Anybody who's listened to the podcast over the last five, six weeks, Hashtag that, is some solid, that is some solid restraint on Sam's end. Um, <clears throat> all right. So New England and Baltimore, this is one of those games I had circled coming into the season just to use it as a benchmark to see how good this team was going to be. Unfortunately, I don't think everything is on the same level because of the last two games the Patriots have had. Um, some pretty shocking numbers even though lamar who's having an offseason and cam are almost identical when it comes to attempts completions and yardage there's less than 100 yards that separate the two of them completion wise and you've seen how bad cam has looked recently that kind of goes to show you how much of an off year lamar is having this season um but the shocking number is that Lamar Jackson's put up 12 touchdowns. Sam, what would your guess be for Cam Newton? Total reception touchdowns. Um, I would probably say like six, seven? Two. Two. Two? Two. For oh, the season. Boy. For the season. Um, unfortunately, these teams are both swinging in opposite directions. Uh, Baltimore, six and two. While Lamar is not looking the same, he's finding ways to put that team in position to win. Cam, those guys, they barely beat a Jets team who has been awful all season. I don't think they stand much of a chance against Baltimore. I think this might actually end up being a Lamar Jackson statement piece. I think he takes this as an opportunity to kind of find himself again. The Patriots defense was overachieving for the first six, seven weeks of this season. And we're like, oh, wow, look at these guys. These are an actual, this is a decent team. And now over the last, sorry, they've only played eight games, not the first seven weeks, but the first six weeks. But over the last two weeks, they're really starting to show a little bit of some of that gap in what they're able to stop. If the Jets can come in and Flacco is dropping bombs all over the place like Dan Marino. Uh, you're in trouble. Uh, and I think I think they're really going to get exposed by the Ravens team. I think this one's probably going to get out of hand. I don't think there's going to be a come-behind win. The only thing that might turn this around, if Cam suddenly finds a way to complete more than 50% of his passes and is able to throw a couple touchdowns when they matter. But I don't suspect that's going to happen. I have a feeling a change is coming 
soon if nothing else other than for like a one game or half a game just to kind of open his eyes but i think this one's gonna be the ravens and and i think this one's gonna be big i'll give i'll I'll give i'm gonna give the ravens i'll give the ravens 14 points on this one i would love to be pleasantly surprised i'm still team team bandwagon dump let's get this losing season going uh there's no need to get it going it's already happening yeah i'm here for it oh man all right and i got the monday night game to wrap up week 10 it is the vikings and the bears look suddenly the vikings look like they got their shit together and that's bad news boots for these bears you see what i did there Uh, 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 uh. all right look if the bears cannot contain dalvin cook like they did derrick henry this game is going to get ugly just as quick as their previous games did um and those games for the vikings included decisive wins over teams like the Packers. Um, given the choice between Nick Foles breaking out or Kirk Cousins finally getting his act together, I'm saying you like that for this game in primetime to close out week 10. Vikings by seven. Ooh, all right. All right, everybody. All right. Happy uh, happy Xbox Series X launch today. Oh, my God. There's so many people that are complaining online about how like they have the Xbox uh you know loaded in their their cart from like walmart or target or whatever it is and then they get to the, the checkout and it's like this is no longer in stock it's like yeah. the, the td beach the beacon like if you don't have all your information already preloaded and you, yep. you click like you're, you're just not going to get it yeah man if you didn't pre-order i this is the first one i didn't actually pre-order so uh i'm waiting i'm gonna pick it up maybe in a couple weeks uh <clears throat> if anybody out there has access to a couple and you want to uh sponsor our show and send them our way We'll gladly take them. Um, <laughs> also, happy Masters Week, everybody. Hopefully, yes. we'll talk about that a little bit more on uh, our second show this week. But uh, this is a time for coming together, watching some crazy shit on the golf course, like players completely collapsing, fortunately for Jordan Speed, uh, or if you're John Rom, pulling some crazy voodoo out of nowhere. Skipping a ball up across the water and putting it in the hole for a uh, hole in one. I just, I, I encourage everyone who listens to this to go just, just, just Google search John Rom hole in one masters. It, it's insane. You have to watch yeah. the video. Like, I, I can't even really do it justice by describing it. You have to watch it like three or four times before you finally understand how sick of a shot that was. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even a huge golf fan. And even I was like, holy shit. I need yeah. to watch and it was, again. And it was on purpose. He purposely lined up, drilled the ball off the water to skip it across. Uh, and spoiler alert, it goes in the hole. But you got to watch how it happens. Tomorrow, uh, we should address the Masters. Sam and I will make our picks as to who pulls this sucker out. I know I have a little bit of an advantage. I am more of a golf fan than Sam is, but something to talk about. We'll also talk about the Dodgers season because even though we skipped that, uh, it's worth kind of recapping a little bit and what it looks like going forward. Maybe we'll touch on the NFL uh, bargaining agreement as well. So we'll catch you all later. Sam, week 10's a pleasure. Peace. Peace.